just building upon last week is uh, that we are a steward of life. Okay, what is your life? And uh, we'll look at that, but tonight, just taking this thought, we're a steward of the life that God has given to us. And with that, I, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer this evening and, and just ask His help and uh, let's take a moment to, to yield our hearts to Him. We, we sure do need the Lord to speak to us. So, Father, I thank You. I thank You tonight for, for Your Word and, and Lord, it's just been good to be here tonight. I, I thank You for the sweet fellowship that we have, just the relationships that You have given to us at Valley Bible Baptist, the importance of of the local church, and Lord, we need each other, and most of all, we need you tonight, and I thank you that our fellowship is centered in you, and that Lord, because of a relationship with you, uh, we can have fellowship one with another, and Lord, I pray here tonight, as, as we open up your word, that you would be our teacher, and you know every heart tonight, we're always grateful for that, and just ask that you would minister your word at the very point of need, and I'm also thankful that this is your word, Lord, and that you understand every part of our life. You, our maker, know what's best for us. Lord, help us tonight to gain eternal truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Really, uh, just a, a comment that I want to make before I get into, into this thought tonight is, is we're going to be dealing with tonight one that has already come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I, and I realize there are a lot of applications, uh, whether we're saved or not, but I, I think specifically a lot of this uh, passage is geared toward, um, uh, toward those that know the Lord and, and just say, uh, say very simply that salvation is through Jesus Christ and uh, coming to Christ and Christ alone. It's not through our religion or our goodness, or our self-effort. It's, um, it's through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's been purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. Now tonight we're going to deal with uh, really our accountability as a saved person before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, uh, you're going to give an account for your life. And uh, it's, not, um, it's not what you do with your life that earns your salvation that was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. But I do believe there's an accountability for that life that Jesus has given you, that life of salvation. Now look with me again at some thoughts, just review, because I want to I build upon last week. And you look at verse number 14, this uh, question in the middle of the verse for what is your life. And we saw last week, uh, first of all, the uncertainty of life. You go back to verse 13. Uh, go, to now, go to now you that say, uh, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. And buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And we just saw the uncertainty of our life. We, we can make plans, uh, but life doesn't always go in accordance to our plans. I've had times in my life I made, I made plans and then things changed in those plans. And life is like that. Uh, I gave you last week, kind of after the, the service, uh, the testimony of a young man that I, that I met. And he was living his dream job. He was prospering. He was doing his own thing. But he said deep in the depths of his heart, he knew that he was ignoring God's call and God's will for his life. And he was doing his own thing. And then a tragic accident changed everything in just a moment of time. It brought him really to his senses and 
he realized that all of his plans without the will of God for his life were, were vain and vanity. And so that's, I believe, the thoughts here. And you know, it's interesting uh, to think how we can know better than God. Uh, we can't see the future. God sees the full picture. Uh, we just see a little, a little piece of what's right in front of us. We don't even see that uh, uh, very well. And, uh, but God sees the full picture. God knows what is best for you. And so I really see here the vanity of, of making our own plans and doing our own thing without submission to the will of God for our life. There's the uncertainty of life. Also look in verse number 14, and there's the brevity of life. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I gave last week how my perspective of that has changed uh, since I was just a little boy. And uh, now, looking back, I see how brief life really is. It comes and it goes. Life is short. Uh, it's not only an uncertain life, but it's a very short life. And as Brother Wilkins would say, only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. And so life is too short to waste. It's too short to use selfishly. So we see the uncertainty of life and the brevity of life. In verse number 15, there is the accountability for our life. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And really our desire with our life ought to be to live our lives in the will of God to discover what God's purpose for our life is, and then to seek to fulfill that purpose. Uh, we gave you some thoughts about that last week. I believe it's the will of God for every one of us to be saved. It's the will of God for us to serve the Lord. It's the will of God for us to be sanctified and separated unto the Lord. It's the will of God uh, for us uh, to really be filled with God's Spirit and to be fruitful in our Christian life. We owe our lives to him. We're stewards of our life. In verse number 16, he says, But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. And to boast that we have control over our own life is evil. You don't have control over your own life. And then in verse number 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And to know what God wants of you, but to neglect it or to reject it is sin, as the Bible is speaking of. You're a steward of the life that God has given to you. Now this word steward is a very important word. It's, it's a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. Uh, being a steward is to be responsible for something that doesn't belong to you. Uh, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It belongs to the Lord by way of creation. He's the one that made you. And it belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ if you're saved by way of redemption. He purchased you with his blood. Now as James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 indicate to us, life is uncertain, life is brief, and we're accountable for this life. It's, it's not your life to do with as you wish. It's not your life to waste. It's not your life to spend uh, selfishly on what you want. It's not your life uh, to control uh, the direction of your life. It's your life to submit to the one who made you and the one who bought you and the one who truly owns you. Uh, we're stewards. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He says, moreover, 
it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight and uh, just look at this aspect of our life. What is your life? And we're stewards of this life. And uh, I want you to follow me in some of the scriptures as we, as we look at uh, the fact as a steward of our life, we're going to come to the end of our race and be held accountable to God for this life. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 25. And again, we're going to uh, just read a lot of scripture uh, that gives this thought. If you want to write these scriptures down, uh, we'll make some comments. And, and then we're going to come back at the end and, and just look at some areas of accountability uh, for our lives. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14, uh, it reads, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus uh, has shared with his disciples that he's going to go away. Uh, he's uh, going to go into the presence of his father. He's traveling into a far country. Uh, he says, who called his own servants, speaking to those that know him, and delivered unto them his goods. And so the Lord Jesus Christ has given to each and every one of us his goods. Again, you don't belong to yourself, and what you have isn't yours. All about you belongs to your maker, to your redeemer. In verse number 15, he says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every one, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Uh, each of us is different. Every one of us are gifted differently. I don't believe the expectations of God for each one of us is the same. Uh, the Lord gave you a different personality than he gave anybody else. You are a unique individual. Uh, the Lord created you special, and he has a plan for you that is unique to your life. Of course, there are some things that are, uh, are the same for all of us, but ultimately you have a race to run, and at the end of your race, you're going to stand before the Lord to give an account. In verse number 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded to the same, and made them other five talents, and likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Uh, we're expected to invest what God has given to us. And uh, the Lord, again, is going to hold you accountable for your life. And you're expected to invest your life in the kingdom of God. He's going to hold you accountable. In verse number 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. Now, we know that uh, the picture here given is Jesus Christ is coming back again. He said, if I go away, I will come again. And he says, when he comes, he reckoneth with them. And this speaks of, again, the accountability that we have before the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we will stand before him. Uh, there will be, as you read on the next uh, verses, there will be a reward or a loss of reward. To the man that gained other five talents, well done, thou good and faithful servant. To the one that uh, gained other two talents, well done, he says, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, but to the one who took his talent and buried that talent and did nothing with that talent or with that gift or with what the Lord had blessed him with, you know, he's going to be held accountable at the end of the race and there will be a loss of reward. Uh, I want you to go to the, the Gospel of Luke chapter number 12. We looked at this briefly last week. Uh, but again, this, this thought of our accountability before God. In Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13, uh, this passage fits so well with what we read in the book of James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. What is your life? As we look at verse number 13, uh, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. 
And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? I've seen so many times an inheritance uh, caused a great family conflict at the end of, of the race. And here's somebody that goes and says, uh, Jesus, you have my brother divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, I, I'm not the judge. But Jesus used this as a teaching moment. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. But notice this, a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now you'll see here so very clearly what we read in James chapter 4. There's the uncertainty of life. Here's a man that had prospered and he made his plans. Uh, what am I going to do? I'll build bigger barns. I'm going to, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'll, I'll eat, drink, and take my ease. And I'm just going to sit back and take the rest of my life easy. And yet he had no idea that God would have the final say. There's that uncertainty of his life, but then the brevity of his life in verse number 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Uh, this man had no idea that his life that night would come to an abrupt end. Uh, the fact is tonight um, we have one life to live. It will soon be passed. It's a, a vapor. Uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, and every single one of us will come to the end of our race. Uh, we don't know when that will be. Uh, we know that God holds that life in his hands. Uh, I had friends that died at the age of 13, at the age of 17. Uh, I've known others that died over 100, and uh, yet those that died over 100, uh, I would say, Brother Floyd, your father, I think 102, and I think your father would have said at the end of his race at 102 years of age that it was a vapor, uh, that it went by so very quickly. And so here's the brevity of life. But I want you to also see the accountability for life in verse number 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God would hold him accountable at the end of his race. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, just looking at scripture that speak of our stewardship of life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11. 1 Corinthians 3 verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ or Jesus Christ. Jesus is our salvation. And that's uh, our only means. We are saved by his grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that alone, uh, salvation is his gift. Once we have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, other foundation can no man lay. There's no other door. But notice what happens. This is the foundation, Jesus Christ. But then we build on that foundation. He says, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And again, I believe this is the security of one that has truly known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And yet, there are two ways to build. You can build with gold, silver, precious stones. You can build in the will of God. You can do that which God has for your life. You can find God's will and live for that will and live for God's glory. Or you can take your life, even after salvation, and live it selfishly, wood, hay, and stubble. And the Bible said at the end of the race, you suffer loss. Verse 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of God. This is for those that are saved. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And again, you don't belong to yourself. You're a steward of your life and a steward of your salvation and the gift that God has given to you. God holds you accountable, each of us, myself and you, for our lives. Uh, let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, here Paul, the first part of this chapter, is telling what happens to a saved person when he dies. He's speaking to those that uh, are saved. And the first part of this chapter, he said to be present in the body is to be absent from the Lord. Your body is the temple of the soul. This body is not who you are, but your soul dwells in this body. And to be absent from the body, he says, this is to be present with the Lord, but to be present in the body is to be absent with the, from the Lord. I want you to notice in verse number 6, and therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. He says in verse number 8, we are confident, I say, rather willing to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And so very clearly, what happens to a saved person when he dies? He goes into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice in verse number 9, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about now that you're saved. And he says, wherefore, knowing this, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Uh, here Paul is looking to the finish line. He's looking for his race, uh, that he would run that race well. I believe he's looking to come to the end of the race and to hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said we want to be accepted of him. He's not talking about gaining salvation or losing salvation, but he's talking about that well done, good and faithful servant. In verse number 12 or 10, he says, For we must all appear. He's speaking of those that know Christ, those in Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. There's the reward or the loss of reward at the end of the race. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul said, I know this. I, I have an accountability at the end of my race. I, I realize I'm a steward of the life that God has given to me, a steward of my salvation. And knowing this, he said, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're made manifest in God. I trust also made manifest in your consciences. Let's go back to the, the book of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Again, just a, a lot of scriptures giving these thoughts of our accountability at the end of the race. Romans chapter five, uh, 14, verse number 5. 
It reads, For one man esteemeth one day above another, another uh, esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He says in verse 6, He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day that the Lord he did not regard it. He that eateth, eateth the Lord. He that giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. And there are some things left of the priesthood of a believer. And I believe it's important to every one of us to seek the word of God and to be fully persuaded. Let the word of God to guide in our hearts and lives. In verse number 7, none of us liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. There is an accountability. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. And for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why doest thou set it not thy brother? For we all, or we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, you will stand before Christ. I will stand before Christ if we know the Lord. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. There's our accountability. But here's an important thought. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Such a key thought here. Our goal should be never to be a hindrance for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never to put a stumbling block in the path of another. Uh, in the places you go, in what you do, in what you speak, or how you behave, or what you listen to, or what you watch, or how you dress, or what your attitudes are, rather than judging others, need to judge ourselves. And look at this thought, am I enhancing the cause of Christ, or am I hindering God's work? Uh, can't be neutral in this. And the goal ought to be that I want to glorify the Lord. I belong to Him and uh, this is the accountability. What is your life? You're a steward of the life that God has given. In Revelation 22 and verse number 12, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And uh, this last chapter of the Bible, three times, he says, I come quickly. And we ought to be looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So we're stewards of the life that God has given to us. It's an uncertain life. You can make your plans, but ultimately your life is in the hand of God. Uh, the brevity of life, it's a vapor uh, that cometh and then it's gone in just a moment of time. And then the accountability of that life, you're going to stand before the Lord to give an account of your life. So we have here the stewardship of our life. But as we think about the stewardship of our life, I want to just give some things for which I believe biblically we're going to be held accountable. We're a steward of the life. You're going to be held accountable for what you do with this life that Jesus bought. But in that stewardship, I believe you were a steward of your time. He said that life is brief. Only one life to live. You come to the end of your life or you can't bring back tomorrow. You can't bring back the past. You can't change the past. You can only deal with what you have from this moment forward. Uh, Psalm 90 and verse number 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
to redeem the time means to liberate or to rescue from captivity or bondage, to make use of the time that God has allotted you. In other words, liberating or redeeming your time from a wasteful life, being wise, living circumspectly unto the Lord. Uh, somebody recently mentioned to me that they had been addicted to video games. And uh, they saw others that had been addicted to video games. And they watched as they just spent day after day and hour after hour in that addiction to the video games. Wasted time, wasted hours. And then God began to break their heart and revealed that waste. And God gave the grace for victory. And I just wonder at the end of our race, how much of our time are we going to be ashamed of? How much of our time did we waste? How much of our time at the end uh, will we have to say that, uh, it was just vanity, wasted, wasted, wasted time. Uh, you'll give an account for your time. And we'll give an account for our talents. We gave the parable of talents. And all of us are gifted differently, gifted uniquely. Uh, God has gifted you uh, to serve Him very uniquely. But how are you going to use the gifts that God has given to you? Will you invest what God has given to you for the Lord? We use it selfishly. Will it be the buried treasure that we spoke of in that parable? I think it's interesting if you do a little bit of research uh, to find out how many of uh, the worldly musicians uh, grew up in church and at one time sang in church choirs. And yet the pursuit of fame and the pursuit of wealth uh, took them, and I, I recognize probably a good number of them never knew Christ as Lord and Savior, but they, uh, they grew up in that atmosphere, and they went on to take their life and to selfishly use that life, and uh, one day uh, going to give an account of the life that they wasted. Uh, God has gifted you, and he's blessed you uniquely, and it would be wonderful to come to the end of your race and to say, Lord, I used what you blessed me with. I used the talent and the treasure that you gave me. I used it for your glory and for your honor. Uh, what a blessing. Would, would it be a shame to stand before the Lord and to have to give an account that, Lord, you, uh, you gave me this talent and I used it for myself, or I used it for the world, or I used it for selfish gain, and I just wasted that away. You're going to give an account for the talents. You're going to give an account for your treasure. Not only are you a steward of your life, but you're a steward of your possession. And nothing shares really what has your heart like what you do with what God has given to you. Uh, uh, recognize this. Ultimately, everything that you have is not yours. It belongs to God. Do you realize that? Your time belongs to God. Your talent belongs to God. But your treasure belongs to God. And uh, God gave you a job, and God gave you the health to do the work, and God gave you a home, and God gave you a car. And uh, I would just encourage you, everything that you have, it, it doesn't belong to you. You're a steward of those possessions and what God has blessed you with. And, and God began to deal with my heart even way back in, in high school uh, that I would be a steward of the things that he had given to me. And uh, way back then, I, I began to tithe with my first job. And in that tithing, it, it really was acknowledging God's oversight of what he had blessed me with. I, I discovered 90% with God's blessings would go a lot further than 10% without his blessing, or than 100% without his blessing. And uh, God just uh, over and over is taking care of me. And then, and then in giving towards missions, and we've had so many sacrificially giving and offerings, but really surrendering, come to the point that every purchase I make is surrendered to God. 
and you say, I would encourage you, uh, when you go to the grocery store, uh, seek the Lord in what you purchase and how you purchase and what you do with what God has given to you. Let the Lord be the Lord uh, of your life and of your finances. Uh, he's, uh, we're stewards of our treasures. Uh, let me give you another thought, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's very important. We're, we're stewards of our thoughts. You say, well, nobody knows my thoughts. Yes, the Lord does. He knows your thought afar off. Uh, he understands every thought that you have. And we're accountable for our thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And here's a verse that has helped me so very much, casting down imaginations. Uh, I used to be a worry wart. And it's amazing how you can worry about something that you ought not even worry about. Okay? And uh, I, I was good at that. And uh, just find something to latch on to and, and to worry, worry, worry about that. And my philosophy almost became, why, why pray when you can worry? And uh, it's not the attitude that we ought to have. And uh, we ought to be able to cast everything before the Lord Jesus Christ. But casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity, I like this, every thought to the obedience of Christ. What if we put your thought life up on a, a board for everybody to see? And we played your thought life over the last 24 hours. Would that honor the Lord? I believe we're accountable for our thoughts. You want victory over your thoughts. The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I believe it's very important to take the word of God and hide the word of God in your heart. Uh, the Bible, David made the statement, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word, he said, have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against the Lord. And I believe it's very important to memorize the word of God, to read the word of God, to put the word of God in your heart, to let the word of God uh, control your thought life and to bring that thought life into captivity or under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so the Lord holds us accountable for our thoughts. I believe we're accountable if you go with me to Matthew chapter 12. We're accountable for our words. Matthew chapter 12. Boy, this gets tough, doesn't it? Uh, because how many times do we speak before we think? I've been very guilty. Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 33. This is important. Either make the tree good and its fruit good. And let me just say that ultimately your thought life and your word life can't be right if you're not saved because the heart uh, is desperately wicked. And the only thing that can change the heart of any man being Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And so the heart has to be made right. You've got to make the, the, the fruit right or the tree right before the fruit can be good. Either make the tree good, his fruit good, else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. Well, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Notice what Jesus said. I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, shall, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So you're accountable for your words. 
Isn't that pretty interesting? Pretty tough at times. Uh, we bring those words into captivity of the Lord. Titus chapter 3, verse number 2, Speak evil of no man, uh, to be brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Uh, the book of Proverbs, and, and, and I won't do this tonight for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to read through Proverbs chapter 10 and just notice the number of times he makes mention of the tongue and bringing the tongue under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're accountable for your words. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, many things that we could speak of our accountability, but uh, let, let me just give this thought maybe tonight here in closing. We're accountable for our, our bodies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to back up to verse number 18. He tells us, flee fornication. This would be sexual sin. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, you're not your own. Therefore, for you're above with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is saying exactly what we've been speaking about tonight. What is your life? Your accountability to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we ought to take care, I believe, uh, ought to take care of our bodies. Uh, he's speaking of purity, flee fornication. But uh, let me just state this. I don't say a whole lot about this. I think we ought to eat right. I think we ought to seek to exercise. I think we ought to take care of the body that God has given. We ought to seek to use the bodies to glorify the Lord in any capacity. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. Again, this thought of the body, the accountability. Here's what Paul said. He's not talking about losing salvation or gaining salvation. That was secure with Paul. He's talking about his accountability. And in verse 24, know you not that they which run in a race. We're talking about you have a race to run, a life to live. But one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. You ought to run your life to be at the end of the race, to be in the will of God, doing what God wants you to be doing, fulfilling God's call, living the victorious, fruitful Christian life. Everything we do, we ought to put ourselves in that position uh, to be fruitful for the Lord, to be victorious, to be the best that you can be for Jesus Christ. But notice what Paul said, in every man that striveth for the mastery, he's striving the prize, is temperate in all things. In other words, you brought it under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so finite, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, I don't want to live my body for my flesh or for selfish gain. I surrendered it to the Lord that I might run a race that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm, uh, this will be our last verse tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And um, again, a very similar thought. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, verse number 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3. Uh, we read, for this is the will of God. This is what God wants for you. Even your sanctification, this is being set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. That you would abstain from fornication. This is sexual sin. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. 
What he's saying is you're not lost. If you know Jesus Christ, you don't belong to, to yourself. You're, you're no longer a lost person. You're not like the Gentiles, which know not God. He says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. Again, you remember back in, in, um, in, the, in, in the book of, of uh, 1 Corinthians that uh, we are to live our lives never to cause uh, a hindrance or a stumbling block to somebody else. That's what he's speaking about here. Uh, don't be a stumbling block to the walk of another. Uh, because that the Lord avengeth all such, as also he forewarns you and testified, for God had not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Uh, again, you don't belong to yourself. Uh, God's not called you to live your life selfishly. He's called you to holiness. He's called you to glorify himself with your life. So here it is, again, James chapter number 4, life is uncertain. Uh, you don't have control of your own life. You can make all of your plans, but if your plans aren't anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ, your plans are in vain. And life is brief. Uh, you have a very brief window of life in which to live. Parents, you understand this with your children. You have but a brief time to make an impact on their lives. It's just a small window of time. And life is brief. Life is accountable. You're accountable to God for your life. And the thought is very simply this. Therefore, be a wise steward. Be wise with what God has given you. Be wise to live in accordance with the will of God. Be wise to use what God has blessed you with for his glory, and for his honor. And let's go with that thought to the Lord tonight in prayer.